You're in the information age, but facts are in short supply. Reject the noise, ask bold questions, and pursue the truth with FBI whistleblowers and founding suspendables, Garrett O'Boyle and Steve Friend. This is the American Radicals Podcast. It is the American Radicals Podcast. Today's Thursday. It's February 1st. We are on to a new month, folks. Welcome to the American Radicals Podcast, running live high noon on Rumble, rumble.com slash amradpod. If you are in the chat, we really appreciate it, guys. Make sure that you give us a thumbs up, follow the show, and share it to some of your friends, too. I mean, I, we all know one person out there that says, oh, I'm not really into the podcast thing. Well, why don't you let them get a taste of the American Radicals Podcast and tell them to just try it for a week. And if they don't like it, then they should just try it for another week. We'll go with that. And if you are listening subsequently on the uh, the podcast form, the audio form on iTunes and Spotify and iHeart, make sure that you subscribe to the show so you can have it automatically upload to your device. And you don't have to go hunting and searching for it, and you'll have it with you at all times. I am excited today. Today we're gonna we're gonna get a little uncomfortable today. We're gonna smash some shibboleths, as I know that my friend and compatriot Garrett O'Boyle loves to do. Uh, we're gonna talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion (DEI). But uh, we're going to rename it, Destroy Everything Important. Let's bring on Garrett, and we'll get started here. We might go a little long today, folks. We got a lot of complaining to do, and uh, you are the audience for it. I'm already uncomfortable, Steve, so <laughs> let's smash away, shall we? Hey, I'm, hey look, I'm, I'm down for it. I'm glad that we launched. We just didn't have that problem. <laughs> I'm glad we got it in time. So therefore, we're not starting 10 minutes late. I know the people demand our, uh, our shibboleth slaying, and uh, we're on to it. Um, and in, so we have time for that. I want to make sure that uh, we upfront talk about the, the show sponsor today, and that is the uh, True Earth Company, True Earth LLC, trueearth.co. Guys, go to this website. I'm one month into the regimen they gave me. They gave me some black turmeric. Um, some lion's mane and some mushroom, uh, some mushroom supplements. It's it, studies are showing that it's good for your inflammation and your cognitive development, uh, and even your, uh, your immunity. So we're in that season right now. It's where we're out of the holidays and still cold and snowy outside as Garrett can to testify to, um, and people are starting to get sick. Make sure that you're stay, staying healthy. Use our promo code AMRAD24. Get healthy in, in uh, 2024. You will get a 10% discount. And if you spend over $80, then you get free shipping. This is a great American company, guys. Everything is made and produced in the USA. Uh, so let's get healthy in 2024. And with that, sir, I am ready to talk about some diversity, equity, and inclusion. And actually, we were talking offline uh, right before we started, Garrett, um, and I, I let you mull it over in your head. Do you remember... Uh, we're both uh, millennials. Do, do you remember the first time that you had to do official training on diversity? I do not, which honestly, as I have been mulling, I've been thinking like, you know, that's probably intentional. It's like all the things they sneak in there before you know it. It's right in front of your face, punching you left and right every single day. And then when you think back, you're like, huh, when was the first time I was told, like, you could be whatever gender you want or whatever? It's it's a little bit of a boiled frog. They've snuck it in. But I actually thought back, and I remember the first time I had diversity training. And I, I grew up in the government indoctrination camps. 
uh, public schools. Uh, I was a magnet kid. So we, everybody got along. We were, it, we, it's not like who were the black kids and who were the white kids. We were the smart kids. So everybody kind of hated us, right? We all kind of <laughs> got along just fine. Uh, my school in Savannah, Georgia was majority minority, majority African-American school. I probably roughly put it around three quarters. So 1,500 kids out of 2,000 were African-American. And then I went to the University of Notre Dame, where there were a lot of people that had your last name, a lot of O'Sullivan's, oh, yeah. you know, Boyles. Uh, a lot of kids came from backgrounds where they went to Catholic school, single sex throughout uh, their entire education. And this was actually their first time going into a co-ed university, which was interesting because you would go to the dining hall and people hadn't gotten that experience ever. So it looked like sixth grade where the boys run one side and the girls run the other, but they were all like able to vote. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had to have this training real early in freshman year. And uh, we had to have this round table and we had to write a mandatory essay that was just for completion about the importance of diversity. And the discussion that was led then was by another student, an upperclassman. And she, she remarked to us, and I remember sitting next to her and she said, you know, when I came here, I was just stunned by the lack of diversity. Mm -hmm. And she was a, the most dangerous person in America, a liberal white woman. And she was telling us about this experience. And I just out of curiosity because I, you know, I came from my background. I said, oh, what, what kind of school did you come from? And she said, oh, I went to a all girls Catholic school growing up. And I just remember saying like, so you doubled diversity the day you walked into this university <laughs> and you can't grasp that. And, and side note also love, love the sentence diversity and university in the same sentence. Um, if university in Latin means one truth, um what does diversity mean uh an in, in infinite amount of truths <laughs> it's my truths my truths yeah. oprah's uh-huh uh, so i i got i want to talk about this topic today because we had the opportunity to have tiffany justice on the show last episode and we talked about the tranny madness and some of the pornographic material in the school system and got into some school security but we never actually tapped into what's been going on with uh, diversity training that happens at the school level all, all the way K through 12 and even in, into the university. And uh, to launch us on this, I want to uh, bring up this article and we can, uh, we'll read some portions of it and then get your reaction to it, Garrett. Uh, this is called Funding for Failure. It's by Heather McDonald. She's done a lot of work on the DEI stuff. Uh, and she's talking about the Los Angeles uh, school district and how in February 2024, so in just a couple of days, will mark the start of a district-wide Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action. And according to Heather, any school system that can uh, afford climate advocates, you know, is, is probably not hurting for money. But uh, each day of the Action Week is organized around various daily messages. Monday is for restorative justice, Tuesday for diversity and globalism, and Wednesday for the Los Angeles United School District's current favorite topic, how to be queer affirming and transgender affirming. There's more to it. We'll get to that in a second. But your immediate thoughts, Mr. O'Boyle. Well, just like the title of that article says, funding for failure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we are through the looking glass or across the Rubicon or however you want to phrase it. We're there. We we it's weird. Like I've been thinking about this heading into this episode after we had Tiffany on this whole DEI. And I, I've been thinking like, how did we get here so rapidly? But 
it wasn't rapid. Like I even think back to uh, like FDR's New Deal and when government schools became, uh, well, the seed was planted for them to become what they are today. And it's been decades and decades and decades in the making. And things just went into light speed in the last couple of years. And like Tiffany was talking about, parents all across the country got to see what their student, what their kids were actually learning in government schools. And we're like, whoa, what's going on here? But most of us just weren't aware. We didn't know that it had gone so far because parents aren't paying attention. Mom and dad are both working a job. They send their kids off to school because, well, to the indoctrination camp because, hey, I got to go to work. And then when everybody gets home at 5, 6, 7 p.m. after practices and work and traffic and all that, are kids telling their parents, by and large, what they're learning? Probably not. And so once we find out what they're learning, what our money, our taxpayer dollars are funding, we have funded failure. And we've been doing it for a long time. I'm, gl I'm glad you brought up the our taxpayer dollars because Heather actually brings us up in this piece. She, she says that... Uh, the school year 2022-2023, there was $20 billion attributed to schools for that year. And if you divide that amongst the K-12 through kids, it is about $50,000 per student, which is like an Ivy League education. I mean, not, not Harvard and Yale, but like maybe Dartmouth or something like that. Uh, $50,000 for K-12 through education what's going on. And, and that is this is what it's going to. And, you know, read a little bit further from here. Um, and actually, I'll share. The, the, Heather found the uh, the schedule and the PDF, um, and she put it on on uh, online. So you can see, very colorful. This is uh, this is a schedule. The Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action. Uh, Monday is Wear All Black Day, which students are supposed to wear all black in solidarity with black students and families. Tuesday is favorite historic or famous black person day, which I guess um, Megyn Kelly would probably get in trouble for, right? Because she was talking about dressing up as Diana Ross for Halloween. But, I, you know, we're, we're totes cool on that one now. Uh, and then Friday, Black Excellence Day, in which students dress for success, which I, I mean, I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, but define dress for success. And I'll, I'll kind of scroll through this. Um, let me know if you see anything that, that looks maybe a little bit... Uh, a little bit out of place. How about the gang signs <laughs> <laughs> that they have here? And for those listening on the audio format, it's uh, three African-American students, uh, one male, two female. Uh, I, I'm guessing their gender. I'll assume their gender. But uh, the the male is throwing up the, the peace signs there, um, which I would think is pretty stereotypical of what white people think black people do all the time. <laughs> yeah. So even within their own... Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Everybody uh, has to. It's, it, we have to end racism by being kind of kind of racist. Uh, they are definitely being quite racist. Yeah, I guarantee you. The person, the photographer, said, "All right, you know, throw up some peace signs or you know, pose. You know how we how we all think you would." And then they got the white, the little white child wearing the Black Lives Matter shirt. Then it's like, oh, this girl, poor poor little child, like her and all or the vast majority of, of kids her age are going to be gaslit literally for their entire life if things don't change and think I'm bad just because my skin is a different color than yours. Like, you know, they, they, they beat this drum of racism so, you know, vivaciously all the time. And it's like, 
the only racism going on here is being attributed to if you're not black and it's like okay you better wear the shirt wear the shirt say the thing wave the flag attend the march but you're white like i'm not saying black lives don't matter they do every, guess what every single life matters oh you I'll, can't say that garrett i know i'm a i'm a misogynist racist now for saying that and it's like i'll hit it early i don't have like a verse off the top of my head but the bible is littered with loving your neighbor as yourself and and even even praying for those who persecute you and it's like no you shouldn't i mean how i think of uh, a lot of verses in the old testament they talk about um justice for the needy and and taking care of the poor and the widow and the sojourner in your land and it's like this is basic a basic biblical worldview is to love your neighbor regardless of their skin color like it, it's not you know it's not broken up by oh well you're white so you can only like white people it doesn't mean you have to you have to wave the flag or buy into the the lie because it's all part of the lgbtq plus ia cult uh because I'm pretty sure they added a black and brown stripe on their flag recently because they're like oh well we got to jump on that current thing too so hey let's add it to the flag my favorite is uh, the, the compilation of four of those flags. All of them turned a little bit differently. And then, oh, what's in the middle? A swastika. <laughs> it's a swastika. <laughs> Look, to me, the whole thing is problematic. No no question about it. But the condescending nature of the way that, that this, this training goes on, um, I almost compare it to, you remember after September 11th, where uh, I think Norm MacDonald's actually said a joke about it. Like the, the, the tragedy of, uh, you know, if the, if the terrorists were able to drop a WMD and kill millions of Americans, the tragedy might be that we might persecute Muslim Americans. Uh, the assumption at the point, because there was public figures, I mean, the president on down were coming out and saying like, don't, don't be racist. Don't uh, hate Muslim Americans because of this attack. That was their primary concern. Not, you know, we got to clean up the wreckage. Yeah. Uh, and even and that, even look at, even look at the gaslight of that. So don't do that. We're telling you don't do that because that would be bad and wrong. And it, yes, it is bad and wrong to just immediately assume, oh, they must be a terrorist because they look Middle Eastern. I mean, how many how many Latino dissented people got mischaracterized during that era because they their skin was a, a little the, the hue of brown was a little bit more Middle Eastern. You know, I wonder if anybody ever gave me the side eye like I didn't I maybe I didn't have the beard like I do now, but I can get a little bit tan in the summer and Hey, I come from a Middle Eastern descent. And and so uh it but then when the TSA was established, the FBI, I mean, dude, we just talked about it with Murtaza Hussein a couple, you know, a number of episodes ago. And it still is happening. Like, hey, don't don't look at these people side-eyed and don't don't prejudge them about hey, we're gonna target them for being terrorists because, well, you know, like behind closed we, doors, like they, we, they we are. know you all do it. Yeah. We know you all do it. Yeah. You know, that the, the assumption it's the same as we're going to, we, we don't like guns as a government <laughs> because we assume you're going to use them for evil. Well, we don't like you, uh, to be able to formulate your own discriminating opinions because back when discriminating was actually a compliment to someone, you had discriminating tastes. We don't trust you to, to formulate your own opinions about people, you know, the content of their character, uh, because you're, you're incapable of doing that. We're going to assume the worst intentions on your part. So we're going to just jam this message down your throat as hard as we possibly can without any actual 
thinking or logic behind it. I mean, if you take yeah. one second to think about it, it's like, well, you keep saying diversity is our strength. I'm going to need like exhibit A because if uh, by definition, if that is the prime directive, if that's your main focus, your primary uh, focus, then you're going to sacrifice things like content of character. They're, that's going to be secondary or merit. That'll be secondary. And as a result of that, whatever you're trying to achieve will suffer. So I need you to make this argument for me. Um, but they've never done that. They just slogan, slogan, slogan. And they've been unable to <laughs> appreciate that, by the way. Um, yeah. If you're not watching, sorry, now I interrupted you. I didn't mean to interrupt. But when you were saying that they're forcing it down our throats, this meme popped into my head. If, if you're not, if you're only listening, it's the forced, forced to drink milk meme. And it's like, yeah, that's literally what is happening with this. Like, I'm pulling your hair back. I'm, I'm, you know, cranking your neck and I'm force feeding you the current thing and you, you're going to like it. And if you don't, well, we're going to have a problem and you're going to be, you're going to be canceled. You're going to be fired. You're going to be whatever diminished as a bigot, as a racist, as, as a Christian nationalist. I mean, you fill it in with whatever you want. Granted, I guess there's some hope there because look at some of the, some of the swing back towards places like target or Bud Light, like people are, it's taken way too long by my estimation, but, but maybe people are starting to say, Hey, enough's enough. This isn't our culture. This isn't what we believe. This isn't right. We're in a perilous situation because of the success that they've had with this at an education standpoint, because too many people uh, are, honestly, ill-informed and uneducated and stupid to realize what's going on now because they've matriculated through the system. And Tiffany Justice talked about that, that I think it was 11% of black students in New York City are reading proficient. I mean, so think of that, man. Think of the that. failure. I mean, in, yeah. in Heather McDonald, in this piece, again, uh, it's funding for failure. Uh, she says, 2023, a little under 19% of black students in the district met California's bare bones math standards compared with 24% of Hispanics, 55% of whites, 71% of Asian students. Um, I think the only one that would get a passing grade is the Asian students by about 1%. Yeah. <laughs> so, and 30% of black students met the English standards compared with 35 Hispanic, 65% white and 77% of Asian students. So only the Asians would receive a C grade if this was actually being graded. Um, but you could bet that they've never had higher self-esteem and uh, they are make, make sure they're wearing the right attire, dressing for success or wearing black in solidarity. I bet you they could, they could name every single, they can't say the ABCs, but they could say what every letter stands for in the LMNOP tranny alphabet, right? Yeah. And, you know, they probably have a cell phone and social media with the black square as their profile picture. And dude, yeah, it's, it's just another example of government failure. Like I would, I can't even say here that the, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Cause I don't think there are good intentions here. I, I, I think it's nefarious from the start. Like they don't want the next generation to have power and what, how do you get power? by having knowledge. How do you get knowledge? By knowing how to read is, is like the cornerstone. Uh, if, you know, if you've been following us for a while, you know, my, that we, we homeschool. And I tell my girls all the time, reading is a superpower. And I tell them about, you know, I don't get into some of the nitty gritty details, but I tell them about places I've been in my life where I've lived. I lived in Iraq and Afghanistan for a year. I mean, yeah, okay. It's a deployment, but 
I was still there for a year. And guess what? You're not, most of the women there don't know how to read because they weren't allowed to read. So you want to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion? I mean, let's get everybody reading at the proper level. And, you know, you write off those statistics about the different racial categories in California. They're not meeting the standard there. How low is that standard, first of all? And they're not, they're not meeting it there. Like, I, I firmly do believe that it's intentional because how does the government seize more power? I mean, we've had a front row seat to it the last four, four years, roughly with COVID they, they just take it and they tell, they gaslight you into thinking, into believing, Oh, if I just don't comply, if I don't just go along, I'm harming my, my fellow neighbor, my fellow man, I'm harming them because, Oh, I didn't get the vaccine. That doesn't work. Or, or, oh, I didn't wear the mask or I didn't go to the beach that's completely empty because if I did, I would get arrested for being in the sun and fresh air, which would actually help me be healthier. But no, just comply, comply or die. And in the modern age, that's what it is. Taking someone's job, taking their ability to make a living, uh, taking their freedom by putting them in handcuffs and hauling them off to jail because they wanted to get some fresh air. I mean, those these are things that were happening in America. So if you don't the, think they're know, still happening, uh, yeah. friend, friend of our, our, our show, we've had her on Tracy beans. She sent me the message that she got last night from her child's school because there's been a chicken pox outbreak and oh, he's not vaccinated and he has to stay home now and he can't go to school. So we're going to deprive him of an education. Um, because like, I guess you're vaccinated against chicken pox, but you're worried about the guy next to you, even though your vaccine works really well. Uh, I mean, you're gonna have to square that circle for me, which right. you can't do probably because you can't read because you went to California, uh, LA United school district. Uh, <laughs> think of the, think of the, the broader damaging of the psyche on a child here. I'm you can't go, you can't go to school. You can't go see your friends. You can't go participate in things. You're probably going to fall behind just simply from not being there for so long because your parents made a decision uh, for you to not get vaccinated, you know, like, um, our kids, Lucy's the only one who's a true peer blood, you know? And I say, Hey, when you're old enough to make an informed decision, if you want to get vaccines, go ahead. But I regret the vaccines I've gotten in my life. I regret getting my children vaccines at their young ages. Like if you look at the schedule these days uh, of what, people are supposed to get it's it's insane and you know think you know you see behind me some of my my army you know memorabilia and stuff i've gotten plenty of vaccines i never used to question them uh since covid i question everything we've, we've been told about vaccines about quote-unquote science so yeah like you just said if your chickenpox vaccine is so good if your covid vaccine is so good why do i need to be punished for you know, I can't go to school now because I didn't get it because there was an outbreak. I mean, give me give me a break, man. I mean, apparently diversity, equity and inclusion uh, precludes you if you didn't get uh, didn't get the jab. Right. That's I mean, right. Yeah. You have not to. Our, toe not the our line. <laughs> you can only be included if you tow our line. <laughs> exactly. And it's you know, it's it. We we're, we started off with the education and that was especially relevant at coming off the, the discussion we had with, with Tiffany Justice. Um, and I, I did some reading and it'll surprise no one to know that uh, Harvard is is all in on this. 
I was able to pull up one thing that I do want to share the, to, to close this out and just the education angle. Um, and then we'll move into some other spheres, but I do think that this is, this is hysterical. Um, this was, uh, this was a Harvard teaching students that it's acceptable to stereotype against white people. Um, and saying, I am white, but I am not racist means that you're racist. So damned if you do, damned if you don't from uh, I mean, allegedly an elite academic institution. Like with a, again, square that circle for me because what? Like, I mean, this is Harvard, okay? This is the allegedly, allegedly the pinnacle of education it's it's madness man it is madness like wait i'm racist now like i my brain is like wait a second i guess words actually they don't have meaning anymore like harvard man you like apples man those days are gone the yeah. goodwill hunting hey but nice movie reference for us in the chat and for those <laughs> in the chat <laughs> um, make sure that uh, you're giving us a thumbs up. We're on Rumble, rumble.com slash amradpod. This is the American Radicals podcast. Real Steve Friend in the chair, at Real Steve Friend on social media. Garrett is my compatriot and my co-host at GOB Actual. We're, uh, we're breaking down some diversity, equity, and inclusion, or as I like to retitle it, destroy everything important. And we've kind of covered down on how diversity, equity, inclusion is destroying the education system. Uh, writ large k through 12 and into post-secondary education at some of the most uh, allegedly elite academic institutions uh, how they, i mean honestly you, you the real world's different right as soon as you get that pay stub and you see how much you're paying to the government right you everybody becomes a, a conservative right um not with this apparently and I, I was digging around for for some some examples and um i've been introduced um it's well-known fact that I am a technological Cro-Magnon man, <laughs> and uh, I've had to get acquainted with this this finagle thing called Uber as I've gone about my travels around the country and had to get the Uber app, and it's yeah. pretty good service. Um, but uh, pulled up there, um, it's a, a story about them. This is actually, it's a little bit dated. It's from 2020 and about being an anti-racist company at, uh, from, from Uber, and this was after the the George Floyd riots that were right. happening and all these companies were posting their black squares. Um, and even you, even this, even this being an anti-racist company, who is an anti-racist today? Like full disclosure. Yes, I acknowledge that racism exists and it will. It will continue to exist as long as sin exists. There will be people who are so backwards in their thinking, so so filled with hate because of whatever has happened in their life, that they will hate other people just because their skin is different. That that doesn't mean that racism is actually at an all time low in America, at least, as, except for when you know we get gaslit all the time about this being an anti racist company. Who isn't that? Who already isn't anti racist? Like I, I have not met them. I don't this know who is... they are. This is something that I thought Tiffany actually articulated really well, and and I'm loath to use the language of the of the communists, of the Marxists, of the left, because what they do is instead of changing laws and policies and procedures, they just change the meaning of the words, and that's their their hack around actually having to change the the infrastructure that we have as a society. And so this term anti-racist, you know, you're using this whole 
Webster's Dictionary. Well, actually, Webster's Dictionary is captured by the left now, too. But the your understanding, having gone through uh, a, an education system that was not steeped in diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, you know what the word anti and racist mean, but they're reinterpreting it to mean something that's polar opposite of that, uh, which is how we can have Uber saying that they uh, have tied compensation for key senior executives to diversity metrics and have been actively measuring salary data to achieve pay equity. Um, I, I guess if you're an executive and you're white and you're just a driver and you're black, uh, we need to make that more equitable, same outcome, right? Not, not for the actual role. We have more diversity on our leadership team. Um, I don't know what kind of diversity is it diversity of thought you think Garrett? Um, uh, and, uh, they, than more than other Fortune 500 companies. Uh, yet black representation and opportunity at Uber is not where we want it to be, especially on our technical teams and in leadership. Uh, I just want a good leader. Uh, I don't really care if they're tan or not. Um, I don't care yep. who they like to have sex with. Uh, I don't care uh, if they pee sitting down or standing up. I just want a person to drive me from point A to point B and not get lost, uh, <laughs> which I actually had a problem with the Uber driver in New York City on. That's a side note. Um, but you, know, I, you can bet they were getting their quotas on, on him, getting their metrics. Uh, and this is just one corporation within America. And, and this was in the 2020 time when we were all posting black squares in solidarity with the Marxist organization known as Black Lives Matter. Uh, but I, I think that it's a, a good reflection on the trend in corporate America. We're not just limited to schools and, and the education system. It's infiltrated fully. through the, the This is now a, I would think, a, a pandemic of diversity, equity, and inclusion in which I don't know if we can inoculate ourselves from it at this point. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think we can. I mean, uh, it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of work if it's possible uh to to kind of write the ship here but think of the damage that's already been done especially through covid you you talked about some of the numbers of of just the reading rate how 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 do you fix that how how do you turn that around i mean and we talked with tiffany about uh just inserting kids like hey yeah we're just gonna bump you to the next grade because you know we missed too much that's that's the the effect that that's going to have long-term the damage that that's going to have long-term. I don't know where you go, uh, how you, how you rectify that. Now it's going to be years before we fully realize how much damage has been done. And by then you you won't be able to turn it around. And in the meantime, most likely this agenda is only going to grab more of a stranglehold in our schools all across the nation, in our society, all across the nation, it's it it literally we say it we we've said it a lot it's a cult it literally is a cult this is how cults operate if you don't tow their line you're going to get sacrificed for the cult and i mean that's we see that happening already and it's it's not even a question to me of um just eye rolling and oh gosh it just never stops which you'll get if you're you're watching a football game i got two boys and they've been playing flag football. Uh, I basically boycotted all football from now on just because I don't want to see end racism in the back of the end zone. It just makes me annoyed and I just, I'm not interested in it, but you know, they're into football. So we've been able to watch a couple games this year on TV. Um, and you, you just, you roll your eyes at it when you see every single commercial uh, and you just kind of 
pretend that it's you know, it's not affecting my day to day as much as, as um, you know as it could. So I'll just I'll just deal with it. I'll suffer while it's sufferable to to quote our declaration. Uh, but now we're going to get to the point where it's not just going to be inconvenient um, or uncomfortable or annoying. It's actually going to be physically dangerous. Uh, and this was a story that I want to touch on because we're, we're, we'll stay with uh, with transportation. You know, we have a Secretary of Transportation, uh, Rear Admiral Buttigieg, um, who is a uh, you know appointed because he's super qualified. He ran South Bend, Indiana, straight into the ground, but allegedly he likes to have sex with men. So we need to elevate him to a cabinet level and be in charge of all transportation for America. Uh, we'll bring this story up. This was um, for about the um, about United Airlines, and I can't help but read that. And, and I'm sorry, I, I, we're all sixth grade boys. Um, the the headline of the story is the end of the all male, all white cockpit. And I just can't read that headline without chuckling a little bit. But <laughs> according to the uh, this piece, just real real briefly, airlines have started to do more to diversify. United recently launched a flight school with the aim of hiring thousands of pilots, which and we do have a, a tremendous shortage of pilots. So this would be laudable. Uh, but at least half of them have to be women or people of color. Other carriers have launched similar initiatives too. The goal is to staff up to meet the industry's aspirations. So we're aspiring to have uh, a quota on female representation and minority representation of pilots. I just want someone who can take off and land. Do, do, do you do you care about any? Does does anyone in their in their right mind care? about anything else that immutable characteristic of the person operating the airplane that's flying over the country? I don't think so. Not anybody who's being honest with themselves. So, you know, while we hit some really rocky turbulence, let's, let's ask everybody that question because that's, that's all anybody really wants. You know, do you want, do you want uh, the pilot who can just get you from point A to point B safely? Do you want the doctor who can properly just do the procedure while you're you know, under, do you want the anesthesiologist who knows what they're doing when they put it in your veins? Or do you want them to be uh, black or Asian or Hispanic or, oh, I guess I should say Latinx um, uh, and and a, a woman or a transgender because, because, hey, you know, they need, they need more representation in these type of workplaces. But do they? Like when they're, when you're having open heart surgery, do you really think that? Or do you just want the person who's going to do the job the best that they can do it? And, and and they've proved they've proven all throughout their career, starting way back in med school, that they've got the goods where they they can make it. They they don't need any adjustment for being a different color or being a different sex. They are literally just good at what they do. That's what I want if I'm, you know, getting carved on by doctors. My my most recent experience with that was not great. I'm still <laughs> I'm still recovering because you know a lot a lot of the people who were carving on me were residents and they're learning what they're doing. And so it didn't it didn't turn out great for me, you know? Like I would have rather had the seasoned doctor who's been doing it for 20 years and still has a steady hand. I remember actually regardless hearing... of what color he is, by the way, <laughs> or sex. It could be a he or a she. I don't care. And while we're on the subject, actually, of of surgeons and, and medical practitioners, I heard Dr. Jordan Peterson talking about this once, and he pointed out something that I'd never even considered. And he said, if you're worried about, and you obviously, we want to have the most competent person, but if you had to bet your life 
you want a male surgeon. And I'm thinking, well, why? And he said, well, statistically, men don't leave the workforce to take care of the children during child rearing ages. Uh, a lot of uh, female doctors or surgeons will be part-time because they take care of the kids um, and then the, and the males don't. So theoretically, the male has more repetitions statistically and has done more surgeries. And if you want the more experienced, even if they've both, I've been a doctor for 20 years, me too. Well, the, the man probably has done more surgeries just because of the, the, the roles that we have typically and traditionally in, in, in society. Yeah. And, that's and also, by the way, nothing is wrong with that because like our friend Kyle Serafin says all the time, dads don't make good moms. <laughs> dads have, are the worst moms. Yeah, I have, I have co-opted that. And I tell Heidi that all the time. Like if she's, you know, doing whatever and, uh, uh guess what? Um, extremism alert, extremism alert. Uh, the other day she was, she was volunteering at a, uh, one of the pregnancy crisis centers near us. And Agave. So she was, yeah, I know. Right. And so she was gone for a, a number of hours and I'm home alone with all four of our daughters. And it's a way different experience for them than if they were home alone with mom, it's, it's not good or bad. I mean, guess what? If mom didn't exist, like they would have a very different upbringing because dads aren't moms and that's okay. And that's good. It's just like, it's another Jordan Peterson thing. I heard it from him first. He, he has these things memorized, but he's like talking about, um, certain, certain professions like Masons and, you know, like bricklayer Masons, not like, you know, the crazy, uh, you know, deep state, like all seeing eye Sauron type Masons, but, um, you know, Masons and plumbers and things like that. And it's like, you know, 96% male, 98% male co uh, combat troops, like 97% male, like all these things. And it's like, well, how come the, the feminine, the feminazis, uh, I'll use that term, the feminazis, how come they aren't saying, oh, we need more representation in, in these um, industries because they don't actually care about that. They don't really want that. Bill Burr has a, uh, the comedian has a great bit on that. he's like, there's no feminist in a house fire. She could be like the most ardent third wave feminist. And you could bet like she's going to take her short hair and tie it up into a bun and be like, I'm just a girl. I got to get off the Titanic now. And we're going to be there playing the cello with the guys as they go down. <laughs> um, but you know, another another good example of, of this is um, the Titanic. Like there it is. Who? What happened? Can you tell us, Steve, can we have a little mini history lesson during this episode? What happened on the Titanic? Um, well, I mean, I, I learned everything I knew from the movie, the 1997 <laughs> classic. Um, so Leonardo DiCaprio, he, you know, uh, well, it was a steamer coming, steamliner coming from Europe to America. They were going through the Northern Atlantic. They struck an iceberg and help was too far away to arrive. But because they were so overly confident in the indestructible nature of the Titanic, they didn't have enough lifeboats. So we had to make decisions on who was actually going to freeze to death and who was going to live. And who did we choose as a society in the early 19 teens? Women and children, right? Am I wrong? Am I wrong about that? Can we fact, can you fact check me here? Am I wrong? I'm not I mean, wrong. Am I? Kate Winslet survived. So <laughs> I think you're right. Um, and, and I think it's, it goes without saying that children are the most precious resource just as a, as a species, that's your future. That's your progeny. And women are more important than men because they rear the children. They have the children. We're, we're kind of unlimited supply of what we provide in that equation, right? 
They have a finite number of eggs. We have an unlimited supply of sperm. Uh, they're more important than us. That's why we send waves of us to go kill the other tribe and we protect them. That's, I mean, that's just not, you know, call it what you want. For me, it's, it's God's divine plan. That's how he made humanity. He did that intentionally, but call it whatever you want. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's nature. It's, it's, I don't care what term you use that. This is why men stormed the beach on D-Day. This is why men jumped out of airplanes on D-Day. It's because we are, we are a perishable good. If you want to <laughs> compare it to, to something like that, women aren't like, that's what we need. We need women and children for society to continue to exist. Like not all men will get wiped out. There will be men to continue to populate, to help do their part in populating the, the human race. Oh, there, there. How about that? How about that for all the woke, woke people out there? The human race, not the different races. We're one. We are one race. Oh, shocking. I know. Man. Especially coming from the white supremacist, right? The right. Middle Eastern white supremacist. You're just breaking out all the you know, hallmarks of an agave, an anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremist. You probably, you know, have a perception of government overreach even. <laughs> yes. Yes. My life, my life's example is a mere perception. <laughs> well, well, I mean, man, this is, this is a, a natural transition in the conversation here where we're talking about what is an agave and uh, a joke about that. This is actually what the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security have labeled an anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremist, someone who has a perception of government overreach or negligence or illegitimacy. Uh, I want to take the, the DEI discussion into the government, this, the government sphere. We talked about education and industry, private, private corporations, transportation, uh, and, and how is the government now embracing this? And I know these executive orders have come down from the Biden administration on day one that they were going to be furthering these DEI initiatives. Uh, and I've got two articles here by Jonathan Turley, who's, who's pretty fair. Um, as, as a journalist, and he's, he talks about um, the first one, and discrimination at the hands of their government. Another federal court has halted a federal relief program as racially discriminatory. This is from June of 2021, so only a few months into the Biden administration. And uh, as Jonathan Turley writes, the court found that the, the program here they're talking about was unambiguously discriminatory since the only considerations in determining whether a farmer or rancher's loan, this was the, the sorry, the, uh, the, these were loans that they were giving to uh, individual farmers. Uh, the only consideration in determining whether a farmer or rancher's loans should be completely forgiven is the person's race or national origin. As such, the plaintiffs are excluded from the program based on their race and are thus experiencing discrimination at the hands of the government. These were the loans that went out during coronavirus, and they were talking about forgiving them, uh, but they were going to put the uh, the white farmers to the back of the line. You had to be a person of color in order to get the benefit of having your loan canceled. Uh, and fortunately, here in this case, the judge tossed it. But at the same time, like the, the fact that our federal government is is picking and choosing who to, uh, to bequeath benefits to uh, on the basis of the melanin level of their skin is, I think, pretty un-American and pretty disturbing. It is disturbing. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Jonathan Turley, too. I've been hearing him here and there for years. Um, but it 
like again i just i'm kind of speechless because it's like yeah of course it was discriminatory and (laughs) the eyes of the, the government you know uh overlords who who eventually decided this thing like it's it's which let me think how i want to phrase this here so they okay so it was ruled as discriminatory okay fine uh the seed though the seed is still there the seed is planted does anybody think for a second that the government is not going to continue to push and eventually get the courts to cave or get the judge to be a different judge someday who will just agree with what they want and then as far as the government's concerned oh you're white well you're at the back of the line or or whatever you know whatever whatever number of examples we can come up with that would be on their face discriminatory and eventually and we probably could find examples more examples but eventually the government is just going to get get what they want and judges the judicial branch it, it it's going to be pointless like we're already seeing signs of this type of thing happen across the quote unquote three co-equal branches of government and and they found another way here this was another jonathan turley story where he covered on this one this was actually i think it predates the other one by about a month um, but it was again talking about a restaurant restoration fund all all coronavirus stuff uh, greer ranch cafe reportedly lost over one hundred thousand dollars during the pandemic like many restaurateurs, Greer was delighted to hear about the restaurant restoration fund approved by Congress. However, he soon learned that due to his race, he could not be considered until other applicants were allowed to seek funds. The White House and the Democrat-controlled Congress, at the time that the Democrats had the trifecta, the Senate, the House, and the presidency, uh, controlled Congress insisted that various groups should be first in line, including women, minorities, and socially and economically disadvantaged people. Um, so this was a, a fun setup, and uh, they were picking winners and losers within the restaurant industry. So we, we've gone to agriculture, and now restauranting. Um, it seems to be endless. This is just—it's—it's it's not an epidemic; it's a pandemic across our entire society. It is, yeah. It, it certainly is, and like, part of me does wonder, like, okay, well, now what? Like, where do we go from here? And hopefully even just raising awareness on some of that stuff can be helpful. I hope it is. Um, it's helpful to me just to learn different things or new things or like the, the extent to which this stuff is, is so pervasive. I mean, it's literally everywhere now, literally everywhere. And it's, it's the, to me, the umbrella of DEI and, you know, I'll say LGBTQ plus IA, like it all falls under that too. Like, it's, it's not just a gender or sexual preference type of thing. It's everything. It's Black Lives Matter. It's Antifa. It's anti-white, which, again, tell me about how in, diverse and inclusive that is. But Or if you are white, you know, then you just have to toe our line and wear a Black Lives Matter shirt or, or whatever. Raise your fist in solidarity. Cover your mask and uh, loot and pillage, you know, businesses. You know, I think of some of the the summer of love uh some of the the videos i've seen one that i remember uh because of the the heartfelt uh despair that this woman had i forget the city i want to say it was atlanta after that do you remember when that uh there was like a, it was like a dui investigation and the guy like ended up like, he went for the taser he taser, went for the taser yeah. and they yeah. and they wound up killing him and then they yeah. 
so it was in the wake of that. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it might have been. Who knows? That there summer. were so many, but, but I, I believe you're right on that. I think it was in the in Atlanta, and it was what what we saw across all, most major cities. And this woman, she's a black woman. She she's, I don't know if it, I don't remember if it's her filming or not. That doesn't matter. But she's just like lamenting and screaming and pleading and crying for these people to stop destroying her business. She owned a gas station. And they're just throwing bricks through the windows and like just destroying it, like just like pushing over the gas pumps, pillaging, pillaging from inside. And she's screaming, I'm one of y'all. I'm a black woman. This is my business. Why are you doing this? Screaming through tears. And I was like, man, that is just awful to do to any human being. Why would you do that to anybody? It's lawlessness and everybody acts like it's okay because we're standing up for justice. It's, it's changing the definition honest. again. It's yeah. you know, they've oh, look, I, I wasn't breaking the law. I was standing up for justice. The, mm -hmm. the actions doesn't matter. Just, we're just going to change the term. That's how you can have that speech is violence right now. And then violence is speech. This is yep. a, this is a, uh, a fiery, but mostly peaceful protest. <laughs> right. And, 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 oh, you're, uh, your equity is so important that even though there's a pandemic going on, because according to all the spokesholes, there was a literal pandemic of COVID-19 happening, but that's okay. As If you're protesting, then it's okay, quote-unquote protesting. And then we have like doctors, that organizations, these medical uh, foundations that come out and said, oh, no, it's more important to go out and protest for racial justice than to stay home and stay safe, which is the, the only order that we got. For, yeah, uh, all the uh, for, for, for early months, 2020. Months and yeah, and we had uh, we had people like Maxine Waters saying, "If you see them in the streets, attack them." You know, it's not a direct quote, but it's pretty dang close. Oh, if you can... see them at a at a service station, because she called a gas station a service yeah. station. I always thought that was funny. Uh, and, that is and funny. <laughs> get out, and you make a noise. You make yeah, a you an make a another ruckus. geriatric. Yeah, create a scene for these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and or Andrew Cuomo, same time frame. Andrew Cuomo saying. Since when are protesters not supposed to be violent? <laughs> but 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 hey hey Granny behind the velvet rope on January sixth she's an insurrectionist better go get her. Well, she wasn't even behind the velvet rope. She was on the lawn outside. Yeah. Matthew Graves is going to send the, the the tactical teams in to go get you now. At this point, mm -hmm. um, I, I want to uh, give you an opportunity here uh, because there's this is another story and you've, you mentioned the uh, Army Awards behind you. Uh, this is a story a couple weeks ago too that's related to the decline in recruiting uh, not just overall across the board is uh, that's been well documented uh, but the the racial makeup and the, the the shortfall that they've had because typically and you'd be best suited to answer this uh, white men are the predominant people who enter into or i think all armed services but into the mm -hmm. army specifically uh, and this and the what could be the reason for the shortfall here uh, that we're experiencing and bring this one up. It's about the, uh, the recruiting numbers. Army sees a sharp decline in white recruits. Total of uh, 44,042 new army recruits characterized by the service as white in 2018. But that number has fallen consistently each year to a low of 25,070 in 2023, uh, with a 6% dip from, over the last year being the most significant drop. No other demographic group has seen such a precipitous decline I, i'm a little bit just kind of shaking my head at it, uh anyway like i don't know why the army cares about the, the color of the people who are 
uh, joining up. I, I think it's, I, I, I don't know why we do this as a government, why it's important. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if there's a legitimate reason for me, I mean, I'm, I'm all ears to know it. I mean, maybe there's medical, I mean, you have like Tay-Sachs, which afflicts uh, Jews at a higher rate. There could be like health ramifications. If you have guys coming in, um, you might want to be aware of it. So maybe that's why, uh, I don't know. But uh, in general, I think the, the perception is out writ large that it's because of this push for DEI and, and they don't value you uh, as a service member if you are a white recruit for the army now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. I don't think, in reality, it doesn't matter what color you are. Like, I remember in, in at Fort Benning, like one of my very first days there, like hadn't even been assigned to my company or platoon that I would be with for all of basic training. It was like the in-processing week and yeah, I, I was in the infantry though, so it's a little different. But yes, primarily white is it was my experience. Uh, but every every race, pretty much, you can think of, it was represented to some degree. But but yeah, primarily white. And I remember on one of these very first days, uh, one of the drill sergeants up there talking about everybody's green, like there is no race here. Everybody is green, and like I've always thought of that. And I think of my experience in the army. And I, I don't, I, you know, I don't think like, I think of, of guys I worked with and knew, and it was, you know, there was a couple black guys throughout my time, a handful of, of Latino, uh, people, Hispanic, Latinx, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> um, and primarily white and Asian as well, Filipino, uh, Colombian, Middle Eastern, like, you know, last, you know, like a last name, like, you know, Abdul Rahman or something like nobody cared though and and everybody would make fun of everybody too and out of love not out of i hate you because you're different than me because we were all the same we were all just infantrymen and then especially once you started deploying we were really all the same then because then nobody nobody here really understood but your brother to your left and right of you did and yeah and in a, in a male dominated field um i tell him my, my son this because i i give him the business all the time and I'm like, the day that I'm not giving you a hard time is the day I don't like you anymore. That's right. just the way guys are. It's, exactly. it, it's yeah. nonsensical, but it just is what it is. Mm -hmm. you know, if, if there's a group of guys, they will find the one thing that bothers each one of the people <laughs> yeah. and they will drill it incessantly to be like, yes. oh, what? Your mommy committed suicide? Uh, and yeah. just yeah, do right. it. Yeah. It's horrible, <laughs> but it's how we express affection or friendship with each other. Uh, and I, 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 I to try to resist that i think is probably unproductive um, it's human nature as as oh i i want to finish up this article though because uh again the diagnosis of the problem it's pretty clear i think you did a good job of articulating it uh, but they can't help but then blame the people that um are uh they're they, they're not signing up so we're going to blame them right so an army official pointed to partisan attacks from conservative lawmakers and the media which has an overwhelmingly white audience. Oh, Those yeah. groups have used the military as a partisan cudgel against the Biden administration, lambasting their services for being woke and so preoccupied with liberal values that they have abandoned their war fighting priorities. Co okay. Correct. Yes, they have. And so that's <laughs> actually, that, that was the first point I wanna, wanted to make that I didn't even do, but what's the purpose of an army? The Great things and killing people. An, exactly, it's to destroy your, it's to destroy your nation's enemies. That's the, I mean, that's the bare bones purpose of an army. It's to kill. That's it. It's to kill things. So not things, it's to kill people. It's to kill other people. That is the whole point. Every, every 
every other MOS, military occupational specialty, every MOS in the military exists to support the people who are going to go and kill our enemies. And I, I know to some people that sounds horrible. What do you mean to go kill? Well, armies exist to go wage war on behalf of your nation. So it does, it literally could matter. It matters the least in a military, what color your skin is. Can Are you effective at going and killing our nation's enemies, whatever color their skin is? Because is it hateful for us to go, go to Afghanistan and kill Afghanis because of 9-11? Is that hateful? Are we racist now? We must be. And, Only and if you take down a satanic temple uh, monument. That that would yes. be a hate crime. That's a hate crime. That's a hate crime. The Navy veteran charged with a hate crime because he said, hey, Satan's actually not a good thing. I'm going to I'm gonna kick this statue over. Oh, well, I, I do have a palate cleanser here for us along these lines. We we I, we did not get through everything here. Uh, I don't want to belabor it too much. We, we're going to have to come back to this. I want to make sure we have lots of content because we continue to drill down. We'll have to do like DEI part two. Um, before though, I wanted to touch on, I'll give, make, make sure we're pushing the, uh, the, the Boyle family sweatshop, www.the-suspendables.com. Do not forget the dash. It's not spelled D A S H. It's a hyphen. Uh, and you can go and get your merch there from, from Garrett's sweatshop. Uh, and, yeah, uh, please do. Please get are some. you caught up? Are you caught up yet? Or are you still far uh, behind? I'm pretty caught up. I think there's like two or three orders in the last couple days that that i'm not caught up with but um yeah it's kind of trickled uh, to a pretty slow pace so yeah by all means if you're interested uh go grab yourself a t-shirt or a pin or whatever uh and and keep keep us busy over here uh you can't really tell but i'm wearing the the power shirt today uh in red which is, is one of my personal favorites just because of why this this verse is so powerful to me but i guess along those lines i'll share a different a different verse it'd be remiss of me to not um and i think it's kind of a palate cleanse as well and in my bible the header is bear one another's burdens it's in galatians 6 i'm just going to start in verse 7 it's been a just that verse itself has been powerful for me but i'll read a few extras it says do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap for the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So I think there's a lot there, far more than I can unpack in the next 30 seconds, but do not be deceived. God is not mocked. DEI is a mockery of God. It's a mockery of God's creation. It's a mockery of what he has divined as what is true and what is good and what is right. But we live in a fallen world. So of course, that's what mankind is going to do. They're going to corrupt it. But then it brings it home. And I mean, think of this. This is just a couple verses in this chapter. But it says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. We touched on that earlier, to do good to everyone. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what gender you think you are. I still will treat you with loving kindness. And part of that loving kindness is telling you the truth. And the truth is God didn't make you a woman. God made you a man and vice versa. Like if one of my daughters came to me someday and said, 
hey, mom and dad, I think I think I'm a man. They call it con conversion therapy in Canada. It's outlawed. Uh, Tiffany was talking about it. I didn't mention it then, but I, uh, some of my favorite pastors are, are Canadians and they, they were, they were imprisoned during COVID for keeping their churches open, which is a whole nother topic, but I've heard them talk about conversion therapy and how it's outlawed there. Well, part of our biblical worldview is to stand on the truth. And if my daughter came to me and said, I think I'm a man, I would have to tell her the truth that she is not a man. In Genesis, it talks about how God created us, man and woman, man and woman, he created them, it says. So don't don't buy into this narrative. And they're trying to wear us down. And Steve, you were talking about it earlier, like with NFL stuff and, and whatnot. And like, ah, oh, yeah, I can just turn away from it. I think we all do that. I know I do it. Like, ah, it doesn't really phase me. But that's the point. They're not trying to convert me. They know they won't. They know I'm an agave, white supremacist, whatever, you know, whatever they want to call us. They so just want you to check out, man. Exactly. Exactly. And we can't, you know, overall we can't. And I know you don't, but in our human nature, it's like, well, okay, whatever. So it says end racism in the end zone. I just won't watch. And I mean, <laughs> I found myself this year watching a little more football than I have in the past. It's just one of those dead space things for my brain because I feel like it's just filled to the brim all the time. And it was a stupid, easy outlet, but you're so right. Like they just beat you over the head with this stuff. And it, like every time I would see it, I'd think, well, you know, they're wrong about that, but it's there for all to see. And they're indoctrinating all the Swifties now too. They're indoctrinating to, to believe this stuff. But I, I was, uh, uh, <laughs> I was watching the, the, there's a Netflix one, uh, show that covers the, the rugby. There's a six nation tournament that goes around. It's a pretty good documentary on it. And I was thinking, huh. Maybe I'll try to find a rugby network. I just can watch rugby. It'd just be like yeah. guys hitting each other. And I, they might be saying super, something super woke, but like it's not in English, so it won't offend me. And I'll yeah. just watch that instead. I love be... it. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. I, I love this little thread. I, I love rugby. I've watched rugby whenever I could since I was a kid. And uh, that's another one of my my guilty pleasures, especially last year. The, uh, the, 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 the Six Nation thing with, of course, I'm rooting for Ireland, even though like, the last few generations of O'Boyles are American. I'm sure there's O'Boyles in Ireland, but it's like, I'm rooting for Ireland and they're good now. They won it last year. So that's cool. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. It's, it's about the six nation thing. And I I'm still trying to understand the rules of it. It looks like an interesting yeah. game. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll have to have you do a rugby tutorial the here. Rugby breakdown. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we'll close it out here with a little bit of a palate cleanse along this DEI. Um, you know, I, I always like to see when these guys that are super woke executives kind of, uh, kind of get their butt kicked. And this is about Mark Cuban, uh, who's kind of a jerk. Uh, he's yeah. he's been very outspoken. I mean, he was he was decent a few years back. I think he maybe got a touch of the uh, the Trump derangement syndrome and then went mm -hmm. all in on some yep. stuff. Um, but he apparently got into some spat on social media uh, about how he basically uses race when he hires his people, and he was trying to defend it. And this account was called Rabbit Hole, and, and Mark Cuban, who's worth how many billions, decided uh, I'm going to engage with I mean, Rabbit yeah. Hole. <laughs> and, and rabbit hole asked him whether he's hired people on the basis of demographics on the belief that doing so better position your companies to succeed. Cuban claimed that while he has never hired anyone based exclusively on race, gender, or religion, race and gender can be part of the equation. If that would put his business in the best position to succeed in response to that damning answer, the rabbit hole said, thank you for your transparency. At which point the uh, equal employment opportunity <laughs> commissioner jumped in 
and said, unfortunately, you're dead wrong on Black Letter <laughs> Title Seven. As a general rule, race and sex can't even be a motivating factor, nor a plus factor, tiebreaker, or tipping point. It's important employers understand the ground rules here. So I will anxiously anticipate some sort of uh, sanctions placed yeah. on Mark Cuban. <laughs> I love it. I saw this too, and I don't know if they had it linked in there. Somehow I found the Twitter thread, and I found that EEOC commissioner and I went to her profile. I followed her. She doesn't, she's got about the same amount of followers as I do, like 3,000, hopefully by, a lot more by now. But she's like a part of the, a member of the Federalist Society. And I was like, I'm following her, like, cause she, she's giving it to Mark Cuban. And it's like, Mark, how do you not know this dude? Like, come on. It doesn't take a suspended and definitely forever without pay FBI agent who didn't work for the EEOC to know that, like, you can't do that in this country still for now. I mean, that might change, but. I say go find her. I forget her name. I should have had it ready. I think uh, last but, name is Lucas. Lucas yeah. is what I, if I remember. But yeah, it was. Uh, I, I got a kick out of that. So uh, that'll bring this one to an end, guys. For Thursday, it's February first. This is the American Radicals podcast. I uh, wanted to say actually, we got a rumble rant come in from K Nine Heinrich. Uh, we need schools led by Steve and G Man. Great go. guests and topics always. Prayers to you and your family. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. I, I think we could run a pretty good school. It would be a lot of uh, of close quarter battle going on uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe some rugby and during during recess. It would be a fun school. Garrett and I should yeah. do a Suspendables Academy. Yes. Uh, so we will be back um, on Saturday at noon and uh, make sure that you're Keeping up with us noon every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday and Rumble, rumble.com slash amredpod. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the voice of the Suspendables on the American Radicals podcast. Follow us on rumble.com slash amradpod.